Hey everyone, it's Raven. Uh, just wanted to make a little note about Panos's audio. Uh, the backup recording wasn't going until about halfway through, so it does switch, but just deal with it for the first half for me, and uh, we should be getting it fixed here for this next upcoming week, but yeah, just wanted to uh, let you guys know, and uh, back to the show. Welcome back to the Ponus Mavridi Show, third episode of the podcast show. Um, it's been a while, but we're back, we're ready to go, and we've got quite a bit of stuff to talk about, so uh, let's just jump right into it. What do you want to start with here? Talk to us. What were your overall thoughts on the weekend, man? We had a busy weekend of hockey, a lot of different things, a lot of different teams, games. We had the, the games over in Sweden. Um, what, do you, what, what are your thoughts overall on the weekend of hockey? Um, you know, some teams were happy with it and some were not. Obviously, Toronto probably loved their, their weekend. The way they played with Nylander was the hometown, home country hero in Sweden. Uh, Pittsburgh was probably happy with their weekend. I mean, a 37 save shutout from Nedelkovich. Their goaltenders believe the league in shutouts now, which is actually a pretty crazy stat. Um, so, I mean, it, it was a good weekend of hockey, honestly. Uh, Edmonton, back in the loss column again, lost to Tampa Bay. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was a good weekend of hockey. Saturdays are always great for hockey, hockey all day, so... I think another team that had a really good weekend that I think we could start with was the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, they're 10-7-1 right now. They are currently second in the Metropolitan Division, uh, just ahead of the Washington Capitals, even though they have three games played on them, and um, four points behind the New York Rangers for first in the division. Um, they beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 5-2 on Tuesday night. Sam Erson was a net. He looked really good. Um... For me personally, with the Flyers, I think it's that tort style of play. I know a lot of people have been reaching out to him to uh, tank. A lot of people have been writing letters for him to tank, and um, he just refuses to do it. He, he won't do it, and the Flyers are maybe better than expected. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the Philadelphia Flyers so far, Pano? Yeah, I mean, I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league again coming into the season, and they've been proving everybody wrong. I mean, I like... Dan Merson had like a good game, like you said, which was crucial for him because honestly, I thought this season so far, if Carter Hart wasn't playing, Philly didn't have a chance. So to get him win with him not in net was good. I know it's against Columbus, who has been on a different level of bad right now, but you know, still, still win. So it all feel like you said, got a ton of wins or above 500. So it's been good to see. And then, I mean, they've got guys stepping up like Travis Sanheim, that's been one of the best defensemen in the league this season. Travis Konechny is scoring goals, not goals at will. I mean, Joel Farabee's having a good season. So, I mean, everything's going together for Philly. Uh, I don't know if they're going to keep this up consistency-wise just because maybe they're all playing their roster right now. But, you don't know, with hockey, anything can happen. So, but they've been good so far. That was going to be my question to you. Was, do you think that there's any sort of staying power here when it comes to the Flyers, if they'll really be in the mix for a – playoff spot, top three, even a wild card when it comes down to it. I can't say for certain. I don't the know. East, but... you just have so much depth. 
the East, the East just has so much depth. Like the West has the better big teams, like the more cup contenders in my opinion. But the East has just more depth in terms of teams. Like you got the Rangers, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Washington, like you said, Toronto, Boston, Florida, Tampa. Like all these teams are battling for spots, and only so many can get in. So that's why I don't think Philly will be able to do it in the long run. But I mean, like I said, hockey, anything can happen. So. I just wanted to throw in there before we get off the Flyers, Bobby Brink has been really good. He kind of looks like a mini version of his teammate Cam, Cam Atkinson, uh, just their style of play. And I know he scored again last night after being scratched for three games in a row, so that's good. I think if you're a Flyers fan, you'd wish to see a little bit more on the development side of Cam York. He got a pretty lucky empty net bounce last night, but I think they want him to fill into that role a little bit more, maybe even producing a bit more offense from the back end and then you mentioned Travis Sanheim too he's having a good year and he's been bounced around in the trade talks a lot I know he almost went to St. Louis and um, he's just been in the rumor mill do you think there's any chance he gets moved or still or do you think they're going to hang on to him now no I mean I don't I don't know who, which insider said this report but a few weeks ago they reported that Philadelphia considers the Travis Sanheim trade falling through the best trade that never happened for them like they they're very glad that it didn't happen I can't remember which reporter reported that but that's what he said and I mean it's true I mean Sanheim has been a top 10 defenseman in the league this season so far I had him fifth on my Morris power rankings so I mean He's been really good, and like I said, um, it's a good thing that they didn't trade him because they were going to trade him for Tory Crew, right? That was a trade, I know. I think that's what it was. Yeah, so, I think so. The good thing that didn't happen for Philly. Yeah, no knock on Tory Crew, fuck Empire forward, but. So the other side of that game last night is obviously the Columbus Blue Jackets. They scratched Patrick Laine last night. They currently sit at the bottom of the East. They're four eleven and four. I think they've lost 10 in a row, 11 in a row. Um, but, yeah, obviously the big story was the scratching of Patrick Laine. Um, it's, you know, he came into the season wanting to play center, and he's been visibly frustrated on the bench sometimes. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Patrick Laine and uh, the scratching of him, the benching of him and Johnny Gaudreau the other night? Um, where, where do you see this headed with Patrick Laine? I honestly think that the coach in Columbus is doing too much now. I think he was thrown into the fire last second to replace Babcock, and now he's just trying to do all these different tactics and stuff to, like, turn this team around. But honestly, like, it's not working out. Like, I know Boudreau and Line have been underperforming this season, but they're still your best players, some of your best players, and you're paying them a combined around $17 million, right, those two forwards. So... You have to play them. You can't just be benching them. Line and getting scratched against Philly too, which is like against a goalie like Sam Erson. Like, come on, you're gonna scratch a goal scorer that has the capability to score a goal every game. I know he's only got a two and eight this season, but or two and nine. But Line is so good. Uh, I think that he's got to find himself on a good team to finally unlock his potential because he played on Winnipeg when they weren't very good. Uh, apart from a few years, he plays on Columbus now, and they're not good. He's going to be next to a guy like a franchise centerman, in my opinion. Um, maybe like, you know, Pittsburgh would be a good fit for him. Uh, Carolina could be a good fit for him. Most places, if Columbus decides to trade him, uh, but I don't know what his value would even be at this point. So I just think that the coach is doing too much. Honestly, it's uh, Pascal Vincent is the coach in Columbus, and 
helps the columbus blue jackets are probably the only team in the nhl that i've noticed that um posts the the post-game interviews of the coach on their instagram account i've never seen another team do that but especially when they've not been as good as i think they hoped uh that's just kind of a tough look and they have not lost 10 in a row they are one seven and two in their last 10 they've lost four in a row according to nhl.com um so you mentioned Pittsburgh as a potential fit from line a, for Line A. Do you actually think the Columbus Blue Jackets move on from Patrick Line A and then maybe even more of a stretch? Is there any chance that they move on from Johnny Gaudreau, or do you think they're locked in there? Well, I think there's no chance they move Johnny Gaudreau even if they want to. He's got the full no-move clause for at least the first couple of years of this deal, maybe longer, I'm not sure. Um and they're basically stuck with that contract, honestly. Uh, and then you've got Line A. I think Line A, there is more of a possibility he's moved. Uh, his contract, his cap is bad. They'd have to retain a little bit on him. But I do think there's a chance he gets moved. It's just a matter of, you know, where. Uh, and I don't think that Columbus would, would care if they're trading him in the division or not because if Columbus is not making the playoffs this year, you know, they're not, obviously. So I don't think they care. I think they're just trying to get as many assets as possible, and whichever team comes with that will be able to get him if he becomes available. Uh, Pascal Vincent said that Line A was actually mad about obviously getting scratched. He was not happy with the decision. Um, and, you know, it happened uh, yesterday when he got scratched. It was actually the two-year mark that his father passed away. I saw some Columbus Blue Jackets beat reporters actually talking about that and saying that, you know, Maybe that's having an effect on him right now. I think it was Aaron Portsline of uh, The Athletic. So maybe some turmoil happening in Columbus with Liney and the coach. But, you know, we'll just have to see it play out. It's still a long season, so. Um, a- any thoughts on just the wrap-up of the uh... – the global series in Sweden, obviously William Nylander uh, ended the game in overtime against the Minnesota Wild, but we don't have to stick on the Leafs. Uh, Minnesota dropped both their games there, so did um, so did the Red Wings, and obviously Ottawa won both their games. Do you think either of those three teams, you know, either Detroit or uh, Minnesota, right, losing both of those games over there, do you think that that derails the rest of their season. I know Detroit went into Sweden sitting third in the division. Now they're outside of a playoff spot. Minnesota has been struggling for some time. They're five, eight and four. They have a minus 16 goal differential. The goaltending really hasn't been good. Um, Philip Gustafson has definitely struggled after a good season last year. Kaprizov has not been exactly the Kaprizov that we're used to watching. Um, do you, and Ottawa is now uh, eight and seven, but they're still third from the bottom of the Eastern Conference still because, as you mentioned, the the East is definitely more of a tight race than the West. So what do, what do you think about those teams and what this trip could mean for their season, if anything? Well, I think Detroit is still, you know, in a fine position. I mean, I had them missing the playoffs this season anyways, uh, but being competitive, which is what they've been so far, I do think that they want to see more from DeBrinkett. Uh, you know, you start off the season flaming hot and now I think he has two goals in his last 10 games something like that so he's definitely got to score a little bit more um and then their goaltending hasn't been great either but Minnesota is way more of the team that's in trouble 
they have a ton of money and dead cap uh, on Ryan Suter and Zach Parise, which basically handicaps them from doing anything big. Um, Kaprizov has been mid. Zuccarello has obviously been outplaying him as the best forward on uh, Minnesota original players in that. Those two have both been probably better than Kaprizov this season. Um, and then the goaltending has been awful. Like Philip Gustafson had an amazing season last year with one of the best boys in the league, and now he's been pretty abysmal. And then Flurry has not been good for quite some time now, um, and that's continued on to this season. So I don't really know how to fix Minnesota this season. I think it might just genuinely be like play the season out and see what happens. They don't have the cap space to do much, and basically they have to ride out with their guys unless they're going to make a big move involving like, you know, Kaprizov or Nugrello or something, but that's just not going to happen. So they're basically stuck with the roster they have. Um, they need, you know, I think Matt Boldy scoring a bit more would help them out too. He was one of their better goal scorers last year. He has just one goal this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, Minnesota's slowly falling out of the race, so they're going to have to pick it up. So we know that sometimes, like with these games overseas, sometimes these teams come back and it's a hard funk for them to uh, get out of or just the midseason travel impacts them more than we might even think, right? Even though they give them like a week plus to get back over there and um, get back. So maybe, I, I guess we'll see. Um, so Matt Boldy's on pace for 61 points this year, which is just too shy of his total last year, but he's only on pace for eight goals this whole season. He's got He's got one yeah. goal in 10 games so far. So I think for Matt Boldy, um, it's his third season in the NHL right now, but I think this might be the the delayed sophomore slump, you know, that third-year slump kind of thing for Boldy. Um, you know, the puck definitely needs to start finding the back of the net for him a little bit more. He's on pace to be a minus 32. Not that plus-minus really means a whole ton anymore these days, but uh, it's still kind of an indicative of where you are on the defensive side of the puck, right? If you're fishing and out of your net more often yeah. than not. Um, any what? What other thoughts, Pano? What other teams do you want to touch on today? You want to go Colorado or you want to go Seattle? Um, I mean, both those teams are honestly kind of doing basically what I projected them to do this season. Like Colorado has been—they started off a little rocky midway through, and now they're back, kind of riding the ship a little bit. Uh, even with Georgiev being below 900. He's uh, been bad. He's been he's been Georgia. bad. I know a lot yeah. of people have been saying he's good, but it's just, you know, they beat Dallas well, 6-3 after being down 3-zip, and I just think that's not the way that they're going to be able to win in the long run. I, I don't think that's sustainable. I think they're going to lose in the playoffs in the first round again if that keeps happening. They play Georgiev too much. He's a he'd be a really good like uh, tandem goalie. But right now they're not playing Ivan Kuzmetov. I don't know if it's because they just don't trust him. I think he's a fine goalie. He was projected to be a pretty solid NHL goalie a few years ago. So I would play him. But I mean, if they don't trust him, they have to look at the trade market. Maybe look at like you know Jake Allen's available in Montreal, Montembeau too. Those two guys. Like you got to get someone to help out Georgiev in a tandem role because he's just being overplayed right now. That's the thing with him. I don't think he's a bad goalie. I just don't think he's a bona fide starter that can play 80% of your games. So, um, and then Seattle is, you know, they're just a weird team, man. I know it's like they're kind of new, so they're still trying to figure out their identity. 
but they're just a weird team, like a weirdly built team. They have a ton of depth, but not really any stars. They're hoping Veneers could take the jump this year, and he's, he's finally starting to score a little bit more. But talk about sophomore slump for guys named Matt. That's uh, <laughs> he's struggling. He, he's really struggling. He looks like he's getting bodied a lot, and um, it, it's hard for him to kind of like he was supposed. You're right. He was supposed to kind of like grab hold of that team and take them to the next level, and it just has been he's kind of getting bullied around a little bit out there three goals 19 yeah, games like Shane Wright, they brought him they brought Shane Wright and Ryan Winterton up for a few games and just buried them like in the fourth line they didn't really even get much ice time I don't think um so I mean Seattle basically has decided they're just going to run with the guys they have they're not going to really give anyone a chance to elevate themselves which is fine because this is the roster that got to the second round of the playoffs last year but, I mean, Burkowski is um, out currently, yeah? Or is he back now? I think he, I think he might be out. I yeah, I'm pretty sure he's out from that hit against... Um, I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure he's out. Uh, and if he is, they got to give guys more chances to elevate themselves. Uh, Brandon Tannum's back, which is good, you know. Uh, but they need to give guys more chances to elevate themselves because their roster is not some team that should have a bunch of walks in the roster. Like they, there should be opportunities to win spots when they're, especially when they've been as bad as they have been. So. Burkowski is out by the way. Okay. I, I thought he was like, that's what I'm saying is they should allow people to elevate themselves because Burkowski is one of their better forwards, right? So it's not easily replaceable. And then the goaltending as it has been for their entire franchise history so far has not been great. Um, so I don't think Seattle's going to make the playoffs, uh, but we'll see. Do you think that there is, and maybe this is a larger discussion for another time, maybe when we do like a more of a prospect kind of talk, but Shane Wright's development in Seattle, do you think maybe they, do you think he should be in the lineup right now? Do you think he should be maybe at this time pushing for a lineup spot? Maybe not like, the Kraken need to hand it to him and stick him in 2C, right, and let him see where it goes. But it feels like he's never really gotten a fair shake there since they drafted him. And I know there was a lot of talk that after he was drafted, it was like, okay, well, he's not as developed as maybe a lot of people thought going into the draft where he's first overall pick, step right into the lineup and uh, maybe score 40, 50 points kind of deal like he we had the whole send him back to junior played a few games in the nhl played a few games in the ahl on a conditioning stint and now this year he's started the year in the ahl because he got the exemption from going back to junior do you think that they're fumbling his development a little bit do you think he's fumbling his own development do you think they should have put him in to the lineup already and given him like 20 minutes a night for 10 games just to see what was happening what's what's going on with shane right well, I don't think they should hand him a spot, but if they do call him up to the NHL, I think he needs more than fourth line minutes. You know, like if you're going to give him the call up, play him top six. If you if you want to keep him in the AHL, just let him dominate the AHL and give him as much ice time as possible. Dominate. But when you call him up and you give him no minutes, how is that going to help his development at all? If anything, it's just going to make him more frustrated, less bought into the team when every time he gets called up, he doesn't even get a chance. So, I mean... If I'm Seattle, I'm kind of looking to even maybe see what you can get for him in the trade market for more of a now type of player. Um, but I don't know what his value would be as of right now. If, 
what is he valued at? Is he still valued at a top 10 pick caliber player uh, in the trade market? Or is he valued more as like a mid-round pick or a mid-first-round pick, you know, stuff like that? We don't know what NHL teams value these types of prospects, especially with the way he's been kind of inconsistent. I know he was in the OHL last year for the little amount that he was there. He was playing at a point per double point per game pace, right? Two points per game. Yeah. And he's oh, almost at a point sure. per game in the yeah. AHL this year. He's got nine points in 10 games. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he's obviously a talented player. It's just, I think Seattle, they're, they didn't even think they were going to have a chance to draft him on that day. So I don't even think he was really in their draft plan. And he kind of just fell into their laps. And now it seems like they don't even know what to do with this guy. Like they got a player that they weren't expecting to get. I think they thought they were getting Seymour Nemich that day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were probably hoping for like their franchise defenseman, and now they land. They have to pick Shane right at the four spot, right? When he falls down much, it's like you have to pick him. So I think now they just don't really know what to do with him, honestly. Ravens got a question. What's going on? So this is I don't know if um, the NHL has this problem, but. I know the NBA is trying in season tier- tournaments to try to up the stakes for regular season games. Is NHL having a problem with like retaining viewers during the regular season? That's a that's a great question. I, like this is a two part question because I've, depending on the answer, I have like a follow up. What do you think, Pano? Um, honestly. I'm not, I don't know that have to say you have problems with retaining viewers or not. I know that a lot of like non-hockey fans say that playoff hockey is obviously the best playoff in all sports. So, you know, uh, I don't know if the way to go about it is that in-season tournament type of thing, like the NBA, because a lot of the NBA players still play. They have no clue what's even going on. So, yeah, that's um, the, the, other part that of the, the other part of the question is yeah. because there's not enough stakes or history with what is happening, it's not going to matter. Do you think adding a promotion slash regulation system to this league while adding an insert uh, in season tournament, like say the winner of the tournament can't get relegated at the end of the year, but the loser is now on like a chopping block state. Are you talking about relegation in the NHL or in the NBA? I'm saying for for, for both. Because in the NBA, you bring in the G League teams. The, Imagine the, having those teams play against the... You're not going to want to... I'm not going to watch them to see the G League team win every night. But seeing these guys that aren't as good play teams that are better, it's going to A, increase the com- competition just because I think there's going to be more players with a better skill set. But it's also going to bring in a new thing of we're going to have stakes in the season and then there's stakes for the playoffs. I think that just is an option to just for NBA and NHL. I think NHL would having a system like this would be kind of cool, but I do think at the same time there is going to be well, a lot of problems like implementing that. I I really do like like relegation in European sports. I like how there's always stakes and stuff. Like teams have to keep winning every year. You can't tank. You have to keep winning or else you fall down. But I don't think that that can ever be implemented in North American sports just because of the way things are set up here. You've got the draft. You know, you've got the minor league systems when the teams are connected to the pro league. Like, you know, AHL teams basically all have an NHL affiliate, you know, that are they're owned by, basically. Um, 
so I just don't think it would work. Uh, that, like, that being said, it sounds cool, just the, the idea of, you know, NHL teams having to play every day to win because they could be relegated at the end of the year. I just don't think it's ever really a possibility, especially because the owners and the NHLPA, the Players Association, would probably never vote on it ever because they don't want to risk them being the ones who go down to the AHL. Yeah, I think any like I think the main point of that that Panos mentioned is the fact that the owners are never going to go for it, right? Um, an owner of an NHL team is never going to willingly sign off on the potentiality of them playing in the American Hockey League. That makes sense. Um, and I don't think an NBA team would do the same. I, I really don't. Um, the, just the revenue difference in between playing in either of those leagues would be enormous. Um, I think that the way that you can make something like that more competitive or make it so that these regular season games matter, maybe um, the NHL does a pretty good job with the lottery system, but maybe if you make it like a play, play off almost. Like a for, play. The lottery the, is the in-season tournament almost. Yeah, something like that but where like you're for competing the for, the, yeah, where you're competing for the first overall pick. Um, or just I, better odds, so like say like an extra 5% odds or something like that. Yeah, anything. Anything really to like give these guys more of a shot. I'm personally a fan of the in-season NBA tournament. I think even though a lot of people don't really know what's going on with it, it doesn't really take that much to educate yourself about it. And it's just bringing a fun vibe. They got the cool courts. and. Um, See, I'm, I feel like how a lot of the players felt about the Olympics for a while. Like, like I, I know... Um, uh, Paul George, when he tore like when he shattered his leg at the Olympics, I think it's like right now there's not enough stakes for these guys to be going out there and giving it their all. It's the same thing with the Pro Bowl every year. Pro Bowl is not fun in NFL because all those guys are just doing it for the fun and games of being in the Pro Bowl because they're not in the Super Bowl, so they're not going to go out there and wreck their bodies for another week just to entertain us. I think it's going to be the same thing with the NBA, where there needs to be more stakes in, to get it. The only thing I like about the NBA in-season tournament is that like, the games obviously count towards the regular season standing still. Um, so that's the only reason I do think that it's a little bit better, because the players are still playing for their standing. Uh, but I, like I said, like, I'm a big NBA fan, and I still have no clue what is happening with that tournament yeah i mean do you do you think there's any chance that the nhl could do something like that like an in-season tournament like this yeah yeah i think so i i don't see why they wouldn't now that the nba does it um i just i mean i don't know i, I don't know what it really brings i would rather see something different but um I could see it. I could see it. The NBA and the NHL kind of bounce off ideas a lot. So, do you have any ideas for something else? You said something different. Kind of put you um, on the spot a little bit. Well, I don't. I, <laughs> you are. You are putting me on the spot a little bit. I mean, the draft lottery idea is cool too. But I've seen another rebuttal up to it is like, would the players really care about playing for someone who is going to potentially take their spot? You know, like Connor Bedard. Like say last year, if they'd had the lottery, do you think guys that are playing on like Philadelphia are going to go play 100% when they know that. Like, you think Morgan Frost is going to go play 100% in the draft lottery tournament when Connor Bedard's coming around? You know, I, I don't know. So I don't know how that would work out, too. The main thing about that is, like, people always bring up NBA and, like, LeBron James with Cleveland. If they had a lottery like that, 
Um, all the players on Cleveland were hating on LeBron before he got drafted because they knew he was going to come and take their spot. So it'd be something like that, I feel like, in the NHL too, where it doesn't really work. But All right, I think we should uh, switch over to a little Canadian junior hockey talk. I know that's probably not the the favorite of everybody that's listening to this, but there's definitely some stuff that happened that um, I want to rub in Panos's face a little bit for one, and then just bring up because I think yeah, it's I was gonna I was gonna say. So the Windsor <laughs> Spitfires are to make fun fucking brutal. They are so brutal, Pano. Do you wanna do you wanna stand up for your boys, your hometown boys, a little bit before we get into the numbers of it, or no? No. No, we f- suck, man. We're awful. I mean, everyone in Windsor knew it was going to happen this season, so I'm not surprised. But just read the numbers. Let's f***ing hear it. People knew it was going to happen? Yeah, man. We traded everything for Shane Wright last year. Like, a few of our top guys also aged out. Everyone knew we were going to be awful. All right, so I got it right here. They're last place in the OHL. They're 4-16-1. and um, They are... Uh, they have a minus 55 goal differential. I had to read that twice just to make sure it was... Uh, Right, they are um, allowing 32 shots a game. Their uh, best goaltender's uh, save percentage is an 836 right now, Ian Micheloni. I think that's how you say his name. Um, all their goaltenders have over a 5 GAA right now. Actually, all of their goaltenders have over a 5-5 GAA. Um, uh yeah, I, all all but two of their players are minus rated. Um, they do have a bright spot in draft prospect Liam Greentree. Uh, we'll we'll do like some draft talk. We'll do some different things, but he's been really good. He has twenty eight points in eighteen games, but he's also minus seventeen. So um, and they've just they they lost eleven to two the other night to the Rangers. They lost nine to two the next night. Um, it's just been not good. Yeah, and we just Windsor. traded a we. We we just traded a few a few of our top guys to different teams like uh, Christopoulos has just got traded uh, Rodwin Dionicho I think you pronounce it like that just got traded so we traded a couple of our top end overagers too um, and we're just tanking now I guess I guess that's what's happening I don't know who the first overall pick for the OHL is this year but whoever it is it's better get ready to come to Windsor because that's where he's going. Um. Sticking with the OHL, uh, the Kitchener Rangers, I think, are worth a little bit of a mention on this show. Um, they've been really good. They're, in my opinion, the best team in Canada right now. Probably the presumptive favorites for the Memorial Cup if we were to go today. They have um, four of the top five players when it comes to points per game in the OHL right now, being led by Carson Ray- Raykopf. The Seattle pick, he has 39 points in 21 games. You got Philip Meshar and Hunter Brustewich. God, these are some names. Um, but they, Brustewich has been really good. He's the Canucks pick. They picked him in the second round, and he's a defenseman, and he scores like a forward. It's been really electric to watch. Um, the other kid that they have that is in that point-per-game range is Matthew Sopp. Um, what do you think, Pano? Anything about the, the Kitchener Rangers? They've just been dominant this year. Yeah, I mean, I haven't in-depth followed the OHL outside of the Spitfires this season because they usually play same time I'm going to be a beer league hero. Uh, They play next door, same arena. So that's the only reason I've really followed up with the Spitfires. So I don't know too much about what's happening in the OHL right now. 
But I mean, I know all the names that you just named, so that's something. Yeah. You also asked who you don't know who the OHL top five right now or who the OHL projected number one is right now. I'll give you the I'll give you the projected top five right now. Uh his name is Brady Wasillen. He's projected to go number one overall right now, according to Puck Preps online. Um okay. you also got uh Adam Valentini of the Toronto Marlboros, uh Von Kings, Zachary Hyman. Um, and then Alex McLean and Maximus Crete rounding out the potential top five for the OHL draft this year. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's been, that's almost enough OHL talk. I do have one more thing I wanted to bring up that the Peterborough Peets came back from down five zero. I don't think I had ever seen something like that before. Yeah. Um, Owen Beck, Montreal Canadiens pick had a hat trick in regulation and then he had an assist on the overtime winner to Donovan McCoy. It's a pretty sick goal. Um, yeah, that was just a that was a fun game to watch. Um, any thoughts? No, probably not. My one thing with uh, <laughs> that segment was always count on an American to butcher an international man's name. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, Pano, you have any international hockey you want to talk about? Man, I'm just putting you on the spot today. I did have one thing I wanted to bring up in particular. You so are. I, I guess I have an international hockey thing that I wanted to bring up. Um, <laughs> we're going to try and bring some segments. Well, let, let me guess. I was just going to yeah. say we're going to try and bring some segments to this show. So um, we'll call okay. this the introductory Monday episode international hockey fact of the week. Uh, Would you like a sound effect bringing this in? Yeah, that'd be awesome, Raven. Let's get a sound effect. So uh, Spartak Moskov's, Moskova's uh, Nikolai Goldobin, former NHLer for the Canucks and the Sharks, he is their team's all-time single-season goal scorer, 23 goals, and he accomplished the feat in just 33 games. Um, he is just ripping up the KHL right now. Um, he leads the league in points. He's got 49 and 33, which ironically is only three points up on the next guy, Vladimir Tkachov. Um, and then you've got a bunch of North American guys, Reed Boucher, Ryan Spooner, and Jordan Wheel rounding out the top five. But all those guys have 38 points, so they're 11 points behind Goldobin. Um, I think if he continues at this pace, he'll shatter the the uh, single-season points record, which I think is a Sergei Mosiakin record, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, that's just my that's my KHL thought for the week. Thank you for that, Raymond. Of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember when Goldobin, like a few months ago, they were like wondering if he was going to come back to the NHL, but obviously he ended up staying in Russia, which you can't really blame him when he's one of the top players there. And in North America, he'd have to like fight for a roster spot still. So um, I saw at one point he was projected to get to 100 points. I don't think he's on that pace anymore in the KHL, but still he is expected to beat the record for most points in a season, which would be pretty cool to see. Um, and me and uh, the Instagram page hockey worldwide actually are working as of today, we're working on a ranking of every single men's league in the world right now. Oh, um, right. Any like basically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that we're doing in, in talks of international hockey, basically, you know, we've got the NHL anywhere from NHL, AHL, ECHL, FPHL, all the way to like, 
the Netherlands third division, you know, we're ranking everything. That's Any awesome. league that's like considered. Yeah. So it's coming out in the next few days. We're working on the ranking because it's going to take a while. Uh, but in that ranking, we'll include the Athens Ice Hockey League. Shout out Greece. Oh that will gosh. be in the ranking. So look for that. <laughs> look for that, boys. Some self And uh, yeah, it's coming out. <laughs> well, not really a self promo, but. We should try and get Dylan on sometime to talk a little international hockey. Absolutely. I'll, I can ask him that because he, this guy knows everything, everything about yeah. international hockey. Yeah, I mean, he's super plugged into what's going on in international hockey. One more international yeah. hockey thing that I wanted to throw on Pontus's plate that he didn't know that I was going to bring up was um, uh, Akbar's Kazan is interested in signing HK32 Liptovsky uh, defender Mitchell Miller. Um, so Akbar's Kazan is in the KHL. Mitchell Miller is currently playing in the Slovak Extraliga. Um, he has 26 points in 17 games from the back end. That's ridiculous i know that kid is a bad egg and um the nhl didn't really want him but he is definitely arguably one of the best players outside of the nhl right now if you are being impartial and just kind of looking at it for the hockey side of things um do you think that there's any chance that this kid gets a shot in the nhl I don't think so, just because it's bad PR for any team that signs him. And I, honestly, like, I don't really think he deserves a shot in the NHL. I, I believe in second chances a lot, but he, based off all reports from, you know, family and everything, he never apologized outside of a court-mandated apology uh, for what he did. So I don't think he really deserves to be in the NHL. But that being said, you know, when he was drafted, like, the issue with him was never his skill. He was supposed to be an NHL player. He was supposed to be a really talented offensive defenseman in the NHL. But um, his attitude issues and obviously his criminal history of, you know, have put him out in the league. You know, Boston tried signing him after Arizona let him go, and they got bad PR for that too. So uh, I think he's stuck in Europe. He can make a good career for himself out in Europe because they don't really care about that stuff. I bet for sure the KHL will sign him. Um, but I don't think he's got any chance in the NHL, honestly. Um. Maybe one more thing, and then we'll go to your uh, your award, your weekly award updates. But I saw you posted Carolina Hurricanes have released Yaroslav Halak from his PTO. He did not play in a game for the Hurricanes and <clears throat> was acting as their third stringer. Is that a Freddie Anderson is closer to returning kind of thing? Is that a they're going to have Peter Kachekov in the net? Um, what, what's the And is that also the last we see of Yaroslav Halak in the NHL? Um, I don't know if it's any closer to Anderson. I didn't see anything, any updates about Anderson. So I have no clue about that. Um, but I mean, I think they brought him in just for injury insurance, Yaroslav Halak, just in case someone got injured. I don't know why they let him go so soon. So maybe it does have something to do with Anderson or maybe they've got a move on the horizon. Um, I don't think it's the last we've seen of Halak because there are quite a few teams in the league that are having goaltending issues right now. But, um, He's going to have to wait it out, basically, and just kind of see where things are at by around, like, the deadline. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap up here with uh, a quick look at Panos's award power rankings for week six of the National Hockey League season. Um, the one thing that sticks out to me, definitely, is the fact that William Nylander makes his first appearance in the, the heart side of things, ranking in at your fifth spot. 
I think that's a pretty good spot for him right now. He's been playing his rear end off, um, capped by an awesome weekend in Sweden. I saw a lot of the comments and maybe even my own thoughts were no Sidney Crosby in the top five. Pano? Well, the thing with me, the heart the heart trophy, there's just so many good players right now that a few were left off the list. For me, the sixth spot would be David Pasternak, um, and the seventh spot would be Sidney Crosby. Those are the two guys that just missed my list. Um, and it's just the fact that there's too many good players right now. Like Patterson, you can't argue him off of the top five. Panarin, you can't really argue him off of the top five. Kucherov, you can't argue him. Oh, I can, so I'll, I'll argue, I'll argue Kucherov with you for offense. a second. I'll, the Tampa Bay Lightning, in my opinion, How? we are on the verge. I, I'm on the verge of saying that the Tampa Bay Lightning are bad. Uh, they are very, very close to being a bad hockey team. They got lucky over Edmonton the other day well, that Jonas that they were able to outscore Jonas Johansson's poor performance. Um I know Kucherov has that ability well, to take over games, that is, but um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he's like in that heart conversation, that MVP type. Debate, well, listen, me. Debate me. I want to hear your point. Listen, listen. <laughs> well, you say Tampa Bay is bad, and you can argue that. Okay, you can say Tampa Bay is bad. They've been honestly really inconsistent, but that honestly just strengthens the Kucherov heart point because right now they're 14th in the league. Even if you say they're bad, they're 14th in the league and they're in a playoff spot. And it's because of Kucherov being top five in the league in points. He's dominating. He's carrying their offense, really. When he was out, they didn't even score a goal in that one game that he was out. Um, you know, without him, are they in a playoff spot? Probably not. He's carrying their offense. Samkos has been really inconsistent this season. Brain Point struggled to score early on in the season. And Kucherov has been there consistently the entire way through. So that's why I think he's a heart candidate. Until Tampa Bay falls out of a playoff spot, officially i can't put him out of the heart race because he's the reason they're still in it okay all right i i hear you on that i just think that they're they're barely in a playoff spot right now and if we're we're debating the the crosby inclusion into the top five too you know that pittsburgh's only two points behind and they have a game in hand on tampa bay so in theory if they win that one game they're in that playoff spot instead of tampa and um I just I, I think you can make the argument for Crosby. I think um, he's on pace for over 100 points this year, which would be the most by a player over the age of 36. If I'm not mistaken, no player over the age of 36 has ever hit 100 points. Um, so I, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, making a case for said. I mean, listen, I'm not against Crosby because before the season I had him winning the MVP. I literally had him winning the Hart Trophy, and everyone was calling me crazy, saying there's no way he's going to be in the race, but he is in the race right now for the Hart. So, I mean, I'm not against it. If he wins it, fine by me. Raven, can you check the betting odds for Sidney Crosby winning MVP? Of course. Thank you. Um, Another thing on your power rankings list that – I wanted to bring up, and I and I agree with you on this one, is Jeremy Swayman's inclusion in the the top five right now. He's just been phenomenal. Has he fully taken the job from Linus Allmark? And if the answer is yes, then what are the Bruins going to do? Are they going to hang on to both these elite goaltenders? Or are they going to ship one off in a spot where the NHL is really searching for... There's not a lot of great goaltenders available on the market right now. Uh, I don't think he's fully taken the job. I don't think anyone in Boston can fully take the job just because they've got such a good tandem. And I don't think anyone should take the job. The reason Boston is so dominant along with, you know, 
their stars like Pasternak, McAvoy, and Marshawn is because that they have the ability. Every single night, they know that their goalie can win them the game because they have two really, really good goaltenders. Um, so I don't think that Boston should even think about moving Allmark. I know Swayman has been great. And honestly, there was Bruins fans giving me shit for not having Swayman at the number one spot. I think he hasn't played enough games yet to be at the number one spot. He's only got seven games played. Demko and Gibson both have over 10. Um, but, you know, um, aside from that, I don't think that Boston should move away from either one of those guys. I know they would love to have an extra top six forward. But for me, the the power of just having two goaltenders that can win you a game at any given moment is just too strong for me. I don't. I wouldn't move him from Boston. The odds for Sidney Crosby to win MVP as of four days ago, according to the Miami Herald, is plus eight thousand. That's fantastic. You, I, I'm gonna hammer that after we're off this. After we're off this recording right now, <laughs> I'm gonna go put a hundred bucks on Sidney Crosby to win the MVP. Phrasing. Um, lastly, those are crazy odds. No, 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 those are crazy odds. I think that's great value. If you're looking for something to, to get a good value pick in hockey right now, I think that would be a good spot for it. Um, the other one, the last one I wanted to debate with you a little bit, and we've done a little bit of Calder trophy talk. It's definitely going to be a main topic point here, but I feel like maybe having Connor Zeri too is a little bit of recency bias on our part and I, and I and I honestly don't even think he's been the best rookie on his own team in the last couple of weeks. You got Marty Pospisil who's been really good and just very speedy, very physical, putting pucks in the back of the net. So you really got him number 2? I mean, listen, you you can say recency bias, but it's also only week 6, so it's hard to not have recency bias. Like the season is still very young. Um and Zary has 8 8 points in 8 games since he came up to the NHL, you know, uh Kadri has really kind of looked better whereas at the start of the year he looked really bad and Flames fans were just hating him and now he's been really good since Zary came up to the NHL so I, I think that he's elevated the players he's playing with and I like Marty Pospisil too um, like you said but I, I don't think it's terrible to have Zary there uh, I think the one thing that people were actually hating on for my Calder rankings was Logan Cooley not being up there in the top five, your, I just think your I need response to see more to from him. Correct, though. Yeah, yeah, he's got only one even strength goal, three even strength points in seventeen games, um, and analytically, he's been the worst defensive uh, rookie by far. So, uh, I just don't see enough from him yet to put him in the top five. I think he can finish the season in the top five, but we need to see more uh, even strength production from him for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of those people too that are calling for Cooley. You know, I, I think you're right that right now he doesn't deserve that top five look. But when you really consider it, uh, the reason maybe he's been struggling a little bit is just because he's been he's arguably what they're a top three most important player in the Coyotes right now um, with Nick Schmaltz and Clinton Keller. Yeah. Um, so he's getting a lot of like mature draws from opposing players and um yeah, I think maybe they're just like taking advantage of him a little bit and he's still young and, you know, almost considered going back into college. So um, it's going to take a little bit more for Logan Cooley to really assert himself as a premier player in the league, but he'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. We ready to wrap? Uh, Yeah. The yeah, one... we can wrap it up. I mean. All right. Well, the one thing I ahead. would say real quick is uh, sorry to the audience to listen about the terrible construction that's happening um they it should be done in the next week but 
Yeah, well, so we paid the electric bill, so we're back in the studio today. Um, and so, but now they now that we're back in the studio, they moved the construction to the other side of the complex where we are now. So we need the winter to come, so that way we can. So the ground is so cold they can't work. Yeah, exactly. All right, episode three, Panos Marvili show, mic drop. We're done. Peace out. One.